0: I am one of your hosts, Dave Bruce. I am here, as always, with Helen Bond, Professor of Christian Origins at the University of Edinburgh. And uh, Merry Christmas, Helen.
1: Thank you, Dave. Merry Christmas to you. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing our Christmas special.
0: Yeah, this is our, our first Christmas special. <laughs> um, we, of course, will be setting the time machine for December 25th. Uh, year zero, because mm. that is absolutely when Jesus was born, right? We have that. We know that for sure.
1: I'm not so sure. We might be resetting what? that dial by the end of the episode. I think we oh, might no. need to well, tweak it a bit.
0: I'm going to kind of put it in a range then of a few years <laughs> in and around year zero. And I guess we can't even be sure about that whole December 25th thing. But <gasps> To, I know it's crazy, but um, we do want to talk about our our different accounts of the birth of Jesus, um, which is of course what we are celebrating here at Christmas. And we all, you know, either at church or at home, anyone who celebrates Christmas, I, I think we all have that moment where we we open up the Bible and we read the the Christmas stories in in Matthew and in Luke, and maybe when we read them, we're like that's interesting like in this one he's he kind of starts in Bethlehem and then they go to Galilee and this one he's starts and they start in Galilee then they go to Bethlehem and in this one they have to flee to Egypt and the other one uh, there's a census and that's why they're they're two different they're two very different stories aren't they Helen
1: yeah, they are, but I'm not really convinced that people even really notice that very much. It's only when you sit mm-hmm. down and you read them separately that you, you, you can be struck by just how different they are. We're so used to seeing, you know, the nativity play where mm-hmm. they're just all harmonized and you get all the features of all the stories. But, um, if you read them separately, then yes, you'll see that Matthew is the only one to have the, the magi and mm-hmm. them going to, to King Herod and, and the st- star and then the whole thing about Herod wanting to kill all the babies and Jesus going into mm. um Egypt on the other hand Luke is the only one to have um to have the census and that's why Mary mm. and Joseph have to go down to Bethlehem the whole no no room in the inn thing um and the the shepherds and all the angels mm. um that's just Luke so i mean they are actually quite different when you when you compare them
0: well, we're going to get into that. I mean, you know, we're not here to be Christmas party poopers. We're not here to say that you know none of these things ever happened in any way. But it is interesting to look at, you know, when we when we get in our time machine, we like to look at the kind of historical context of, you know, the times when these these accounts were written and the audiences for these different uh for the different gospels and and the kind of, you know, agendas, you know, theological and political that the different writers may have had for kind of latching on to different traditions about Jesus's birth. So that's kind of the stuff we're going to look at. But please don't think that we are trying to ruin Christmases anyway. These are these are beautiful stories. And these are is a wonderful, of course, time of the year to uh, to think about this. But um, let's start with this. The first the idea of of birth stories and birth narratives. I know you've said it um, in other episodes of the podcast, but in the ancient world, there was this idea that that great figures, great men, of, of course, for the most part, had to have great and, and spectacular uh, births. So is that – are these birth stories part of a larger sort of literary tradition of these these birth stories of great men?
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's right. I mean, the Gospels are, are broadly biographies. Um, Mark, the earliest one, doesn't have any account of Jesus prior to, mm. to going to, to see, um, John the Baptist at the Jordan. But Matthew and Luke both use Mark and they both add, um, birth stories. In fact, those are the only birth stories that we have in the New Testament. So I think there's something there about, you know, a great man has a great birth. And so there are sort of cosmic events that, that, that mm. show that this isn't just any old guy being born. This is, this is something special and and i think both of them also have this this idea that they want to show that jesus is is god's son from earlier on so again mm. they're copying mark mark has jesus as you know declared god's son at his baptism both of them i think want to say that well actually jesus was God's son, not just from birth, but actually from the moment of conception, you know, as soon Mm -hmm. as he was there in in the womb, he was God's son. So I think there's those double sort of things, you know, it's about when did he become God's son, but it's also part of this larger um, thing in the ancient world that great men have great births.
0: Yeah. And then he would, Jesus would not have also been the first great man to have a miraculous you know like you said it's sort of a miraculous conception um there's there's other great men right there's we you know even like plato and people like that they kind of talk about as having these sort of remarkable uh backstories of of their birth right
1: yeah exactly a lot of people have sort of miraculous or unusual births a lot of them are linked to gods in some way so plato Mm -hmm. you mentioned is um you know the breath of um, Apollo and Apollo mm. or Zeus are quite common in some some way or other. You know, in in, in a lot of these Greco-Roman stories, the god sort of takes human form in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, or you have stories. Julius Caesar, for example, is descended from the goddess Venus through Aeneas, oh, who um, who flees from Troy. Um, similar stories about Augustus, who who um, traced his own descent through um, Apollo. So a lot of these great great men um they sort of trade on this idea of um f- plotting their lineage through a god and and also mm. saying you know there was something amazing about about my birth whether it's they themselves or or their followers um right. who who sort of put about these stories but you know it's the same general idea something unusual in your birth shows that you know this this is an age where the the idea of sort of augury and you know prophecy so so something mm. unusual at birth shows that you're going to be some kind of special person
0: sure sure well you you mentioned prophecy so maybe we can start with the account in Matthew. So, which just to remind our listeners which is the nativity story that we find in in Matthew. What's what's the outline?
1: Yeah. So, in Matthew's gospel, um, Mary and Joseph are betrothed, but um, sort of engaged, I suppose. So, but before she's um, before she you know before she marries Joseph, she is found to be with a child, and that's mm. the one where you have all that just. Dis- the thing about Joseph's wondering whether to to get rid of her or not, he has the dream and um and he doesn't. so, um but but, but then, then she has the child. And then you get the whole story of the magi in the east, mm. these sort of, you know, Astrologers, or something like that, they they come following a star and they go to Jerusalem because something about the star clearly shows them that um, you need to go to Jerusalem. They something about a king too, so they go and find the king of the Jews, who's Herod the Great, and um, they tell him all of this. He pretends to be interested and sends <laughs> them off and says, "You know, come back when you find this this boy, so that I can go to." Yeah, I they, love. Uh,
0: there is the. <laughs> I don't know. I love the winking the winking line of him being like so I can also worship him. I just I think that's a great.
1: One. I know he's a great, he's a great villain, isn't he? A great baddie. So um mm-hmm. so they go and do that. Um but but again, they they also have a dream. Uh, Matthew likes dreams as divine communications. Mm. So they they are warned and they just go back home. They don't they go don't go to tell Herod, and then when Herod finds he's been duped, he decides that he's going to kill all the young boys in the area of, of um, Bethlehem who are two or under, and mm. um, and that that's what he that Does and again, the Holy Family are warned in a dream, and they go off down into Egypt. And um and, and when Herod dies, rather than come back to Judea, they hear that Herod's son Archelaus is on the throne. He has a reputation for being um cruel, and so they're advised to go back up to uh Nazareth in the north. So so this whole thing is it has Jesus born in Bethlehem, but it then mm. explains how it is that Jesus grew up in Nazareth.
0: Right, right. With with a lot of stuff in between. So yeah, let's 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 talk about this account. A little bit, as, as sort of I mentioned before, kind of, you know, if this was a tradition that was around, you know, maybe why would the author of Matthew in particular have chosen to tell us this story with all of its twists and turns? Like, what are some of the elements? I I, I know we've talked about before that Matthew is aimed at like a Jewish audience, mm-hmm. right? So what are some of the things in this account that would have really resonated with these Jewish readers?
1: Well I think there's a, there's a few things here. I mean Matthew is very interested in fulfillment of prophecy, so fulfillment yeah. of Old Testament prophecies. So and um, in his birth stories if if you just just look at the text you'll see lots of little quotations Close, from the Old yeah. Testament. So he's very keen to show that all of this is happening in accordance with the scriptures. He's also even more than that, he's very keen to show that Jesus is a sort of a second Moses. So Mm -hmm. if you look at uh, Moses' birth in the um, Old Testament, you'll see a lot of similarities. And and Herod is the kind of the Pharaoh figure, you know, killing all the young children. But there's even more similarities. If you look at uh, Josephus, the Jewish um, historian, he gives an account of um, Moses' birth, which is probably something that was quite common in the first century amongst sort of first century Jews. And in that, the there's, there's Magi and uh, people oh. consulting scriptures and even even closer parallels. So it's very wow. unlikely that Josephus is being influenced in any way by by Matthew. It's more right. likely that these are these are sort of embellished stories about the birth of Moses that are going around in Jewish circles. and Matthew is picking up on them. So, any of his Jewish readers are going to, you know, pick up on that straight away. They're going to know, ah, this is a kind of a second Moses figure.
0: Yeah. Well, I wow, I'd never heard that. So, mm. so there are like the, the Magi kind of theme was in in these Moses stories too. Wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, very very close parallels. Wow, um, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Ma- Ma- Matthew is also very keen on the idea of Jesus as as king and as a sort of a, a, a mm. second King David. And so, mm. again, you know, I think he, he puts his, his story in amongst this sort of, you know, the royal palace and, and the, the, oh. the sort of pseudo-king of the Jews, um, Herod. So there's all this royal imagery that's, that's going to come out later in, in the Gospels. So in many ways, it's kind of like the, the, the first two chapters are like the overture to a, a symphony or something. They sort of play all the themes that are going to get Go um, explored later on.
0: Cool. Awesome. All right. Well, let's let's jump to the account in Luke. Um, and we you know we talked in our Mary episode about she she has that visitation from an angel. We can kind of mm. skip over that part. But what 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 is what is Jesus's birth? You, you talked about the census and stuff like that. That plays a big role in in this in this uh, gospel, right?
1: Yeah. Well, whereas Matthew had Jesus born in uh, Bethlehem, and then he has to sort of concoct a way to get them back up to Nazareth. In Luke's gospel, the family are already living in Nazareth, so his problem is to get them down to, to Bethlehem. So he does that by way of this census, and and that's why they go down to, to Bethlehem. Um There's no room, so they go to the stable. That's where Jesus is born, and then you get these visitations from um
0: shepherds and
1: angels. And at the end of it all, they just go home
0: right <laughs> um well, well we'll get into it in a minute why we have to have all this moving back and forth between bethlehem and nazareth but but looking at luke's gospel so mm. sort of the way we talked about matthew's gospel having this jewish audience talk about some of the themes like some of the larger themes that we see in luke's gospel that are kind of played out here like i you know this is the only story where he's born in this in this you know barn situation so <laughs> Why would these kind of humble beginnings have been important to uh, mm. to Luke?
1: Yeah, well, again, many of the themes that are going to come up in Luke's gospel are there in microcosm already in the the birth stories. So, Ma- Ma- Luke's Jesus is very much a kind of a, a humble, poor person who, who who is for the poor and marginalised. Mm. Um, that's the the people that his message is. Is going to be preached too, and so he himself has this sort of poor and marginalised beginning, and um, mm. there's no place for him. Um, and and the people who come and visit him aren't aren't sort of you know educated magi who have come via Herod's palace, but they're mm. the lowest of the low. They're they're simple shepherds who have just been out on the on the fields looking after their mm. their sheep. Um, so you have all of these, uh, connections with who Jesus is going to grow up to be, you know, this, this prophet who's, who's speaking to the poor and oppressed. Um, Luke's also got quite a lot in his, uh, gospel on the Roman Empire. He's, yeah. um, he's very keen to show that events in the Roman Empire somehow have kind of helped Christianity. So, um, all the way through yeah. Acts to bigger events kind of on the world stage have the effect of kind of helping Christianity. So here, again, you have the census and the Quirinius um, that probably some of his readers would have remembered. Um, and, and, and it's that that gets them down to Bethlehem, and it's that mm-hmm. that kind of starts the story off. So, you know, whatever's going on in the world stage is actually part of God's plan. I think that's what he's saying. God is kind of behind all of this. Mm. Um And and a lot of the, a lot of the imagery used for Jesus, a lot of the words used for Jesus, um, you know, savior and, um, savior of the world and these kind of things, um, God's son are, are sort of ideas that are associated with the emperor. So there's a kind Hmm. of an inversion that the empire kind of helps Christianity to, to spread. But at the same time, it's clear that for Luke, Jesus is sort of the true emperor, the true ruler of the world, the true the true king, despite appearances.
0: Oh wow! So so you're saying back then they would have used terms like "son of God" and, and "savior" and you know "Prince of Peace" kind of stuff for the for the for the emperor.
1: Oh yeah, completely, completely. The emperor okay. was filius um, divus. I mean, son of son of God, because of course you know. Em- Emperors when they died, most emperors when they died, became uh, gods. And so the next emperor then was son of the god, um, son of the, yeah. the previous god. Um, and so, yeah, this is, this is common um, imperial terminology. So I, yeah. I think you get that. I, I mean, I think you get that in Christianity that um, the earliest believers are kind of taking the, the, the words used of the emperor and, um, and using them of Jesus instead you know wow. so it's not not the emperor but jesus who the truly true, the is true,
0: all these things. the true lord and emperor yeah yeah, okay. yeah. well wow. well all right well let's let's get into this geography a little bit so maybe first <laughs> of all <laughs> so i guess we know and and the people who who knew jesus and and were around at his time they knew that he you know was a guy from from nazareth who grew, grew up in galilee so why would we have to go through these twists and turns to get him born in Bethlehem what's the significance of being born in, in Bethlehem
1: it seems to be to do with King David because uh, Bethlehem was the city of David. And there's also a, a prophecy in Malachi that talks about Bethlehem in Judea, you know, the least of the, the cities and, and that that's where um, the Messiah is going to be born. So, So there seems to be this idea that, you know, when the Messiah comes, he's going to be a son of David. And so he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So that's the only place that Jesus can be born. So gotcha. that's why I think right. they have to—they have to get him born in Bethlehem. But at the same time, they both know that he grew up in Nazareth. So, mm-hmm. so they have this, like I said, they have this kind of opposite thing that that Luke has them living in Nazareth. He has to get them down to Bethlehem. Whereas um, Matthew seems to have them living quite happily in Bethlehem before right. all of this starts. And then his job is to get them to um, to move up to Nazareth when Jesus is born.
0: So by way of, by way of Egypt, which is a by way,
1: way of Egypt <laughs> and, and Herod kind of coming after there the boys, yeah, so they're both very convoluted, but you know the two things they agree on is that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and grew up in Nazareth, but the way they kind of get that all to work out is really different:
0: all right well let's let's talk about this census so you know it says in, in, in Luke's gospel that you know all the world all the world is to be taxed. So this is a huge, you know, all the world, I'm assuming all the Roman, all the <laughs> Roman world is, is to be sort of counted and taxed. So that we must have records that say, yes, there was this huge census that happened around the time, you know, that Jesus was born, right? The Romans kept good records, so we have that.
1: Mm, not really, no. What? Um, <laughs> well, there was a census, but I think um, Luke is a little bit wrong in his facts. I mean, Luke Luke likes to exaggerate. So he likes to say Mm. all the world, all the Jews, everybody... There was a census and it was held at the time of the death of Herod the Great's son, Archelaus. So this is in 6 CE. So um, the reason we have the census at this point is that after that, um, Judea was ruled directly by by a Roman governor. And so they needed to have the census to find out how much land everybody owned and then Mm. how much tax they had to pay. So it was a census and it was just in Judea and the surrounding areas that are going to be ruled by... By a Roman governor from 6 AD onwards, um, so it's not all the world. And there's also no idea in the census that you have to go back to your ancestral home. I mean, that would mm. make no sense. You know, how far back do you go? Um, and 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 what's the point of people going down to to Bethlehem if they're already living in Galilee, which isn't affected by the census at all? So oh, oh, um, that's, oh
0: that's important to know. So Galilee. Not in Judea.
1: No, anyway. it's just it's just the southern bit of Judea. Oh, so okay. it, that's the only bit that um, was ruled directly by a Roman governor. The northern part just carries on being ruled by Herod Antipas, the son of Herod oh, the Great. No. So they have no change whatsoever. They don't need a census because that's all nice and straightforward up there. It's only the bit that's going to be ruled directly by Rome. So that's the bit. It's a bit around Jerusalem, basically. And so they are the ones that have the census and they all just stay In their homes, because that's the whole point, you know. How much land do you have at the moment, and that's um, what we'll work the tax out on. No idea that you sort of pick up and start moving around the place. I mean, that would just that would just cause mayhem, complete mayhem. (laughs) And no wonder there be no. But you're
0: saying we do have. We have it on good authority that there was this census that happened in six C.E. and it was just Judea, so that's that's a firm fact.
1: Yeah, it comes from uh, Josephus. There's also, I think, an inscription that, that that mentions it. So, and and it was exactly what Romans did when whenever a piece of land became direct roman rule but when it whenever it became a province basically um it it needs to be assessed for taxation purposes so so we would expect that to happen and there is evidence that it did but okay. just in the small bit
0: yeah and what 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 is this confusing language there's like a parenthetical when they introduce this census and they're like like the one that happened under Corinius Qu- or whatever you know what i am talking about yeah what is that yeah. a reference to do we know
1: well, Quirinius was the, the, the Syrian legate, so it, he was the one who imposed this. In, in six e yeah, the one? Yeah, yep. Yeah, ah. yeah. So, okay. I mean, that so all, the, that so all fits perfectly. Yeah. Quirinius is absolutely right. lucas has got his facts right there, but it's just the in timing. other bits, he's a bit uncertain.
0: Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, okay, so now we're getting down to the, the dating issues with... When Jesus was born, because we've we've you know in the Western world we've set our whole calendar around the mm. idea we've been counting years <laughs> since this uh, this year zero when when Jesus was born um, since Dennis the Small getting... in
1: the sixth century.
0: Well, okay, we'll we'll get to that guy in a second, <laughs> but <laughs> let's just talk about the the timing issues. You have the six CEE senses, if if that's what you know Luke seems to definitely be talking about, mm. but so that's a little bit late. And then you have the Matthew account where you have, uh, I'm sorry, it is, wait, it's the Matthew account where you have Herod. No, no, it's the Luke yeah, account. Yeah, Yep. No,
1: Matthew, Matthew has Herod. Matthew
0: account. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting confused. We have two accounts and I'm already having <laughs> Easy, to so, easy to do. So the Matthew account has, has Herod. And then we're talking, we've, we've had an episode about Herod. We're talking about Herod the Great, who we have on record as, as dying in what? 4 BCE, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. So he dies in 4 BCE. So, if for him to have been around when Jesus was born, to have ordered the death of these children under two, so that's, we're talking about when Jesus was already two. At this point, Jesus would have had to have been born at least, you know, 6 BCE or, or possibly yeah. earlier. So now we're talking about one account that dates him around 6 BCE, another one that dates it around 6 CE. We have a nice 12 year mm. window in here when he could have been born. Does anybody have a best guess as to when he was actually born? year zero <laughs>
1: hey, not that we have I'm a there. zero, but um yeah i mean this this is the big problem that matthew's matthew's gospel gives us six c b c e and luke gives us six c e and um strangely enough, people tend to go with Matthew and I don't really I, I think maybe because we're absolutely 100% sure of um, of Herod the Great's dates and when he died mm. um, people do try to sort of say well maybe there was another census um, and we just don't know about it I mean that seems very unlikely to me particularly mm. if it's a census of all the world that we've somehow right. lost Um so people do tend to to go with uh, Matthew, but um, but I mean most most scholars will just say you know we we don't know. Sometimes I mean we don't oh, we don't even really know what what age Jesus was when he started his ministry. Certainly mm-hmm. Martin, Mark's gospel doesn't give any indication of age. Luke says he was about thirty. Um, okay. So you know again we're talking about. The year one, one BCE, one CE, something like that. So actually, you know, the, the traditional age may not be that far out, but, mm-hmm. um, but it's, it's very difficult to choose between Matthew and Luke, I think.
0: Yeah. And so, okay. So you mentioned this, this character who, who, who was this guy that, who did, who had, you know, he didn't carry the one or something. He got his math wrong. So who, who's Dennis the one responsible? The small.
1: Yeah. In Dennis the sixth the century. Small. I think, I think, yeah. I mean, yeah i mean now nowadays people say that he got it wrong because he should have you know because he should have said six b c e because that's the date that matthew gives us. but but, like mm-hmm. I say, I mean, that doesn't fit in with um Luke anyway, so I don't sure. think Dennis the Small did such a bad job in the end, really. And he he was actually interested in the conception, dating the conception of, of Jesus. Mm. So, you know, the the start, the spark that, that started mm. it all off. Um and ever since then, yeah, we've 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 dated things according to um B C and A D or B C E and C E nowadays.
0: Right, well I'm gonna start I'm gonna start putting my date down as 2016 because we're six years. <laughs> we should be six years behind. Or my, that won't uh, cause uh,
1: any confusion.
0: No, I'm gonna say this is biblically sound. <laughs> All right. Um, well, terrific. And then I don't know if, if we even want to get into this, but you know, we have we have this date, December 25th, that mm. we celebrate Christmas. But i would say most of us celebrate Christmas. So there is there's an alternative date for Christmas, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. In the Eastern Church, they, they, they celebrate um, Epiphany, so um, the 6th of, of
0: January. All right. And and this has been the case for a very long time, right, that we've had these two different dates within Christianity for, for Christmas? Yeah,
1: I mean, you probably know more about this than I do, but... Um, yeah, I mean, certainly, there's nothing. There's nothing in any of the accounts that would give any indication as to the time of year. In in fact, I mean, any anything, any of the details we do have suggests that December the twenty fifth is probably quite unlikely. You know, you're not likely to have had. Um, uh, shepherds out on the fields because Israel gets really cold during um during winter so um you know it 's more likely that it's some other time of year i mean i I think that the whole reason for twenty fifth of December is that lots of um lots of sort of belief systems, lots of ancient peoples had some kind of, um, you know, celebration around about the winter solstice. And, um, and, and, and it is, I mean, even today, it's a really good time to hold a feast just a few days mm. after the solstice. So by the time you you've recovered, you know, you're well on the way to Lighter nights and <laughs> and um, and and I think you know that it was the time when um, the god Mithras was also supposed to be born and I mean you know there's just a lot of a lot of pagan festivals happening around about this time so a good time for Christianity to sort of put its stamp on it and and to and to reclaim these these festivals for mm. for for Christianity I think
0: we've been celebrating Christmas around these times for a long time probably not time to try to change the date that would also be confusing. <laughs> um not only is it 2016 but we're celebrating Christmas on April uh 1st or something. <laughs> now let's stick to let's stick to traditions. And, and that and that again comes back to, you know, these traditions are are beautiful, these stories have, you know, important spiritual significance to so many people and and uh whether or not they happened exactly how they are in the story, we we unfortunately probably can never know for sure but I, I, this has been fascinating to me to, to look at these differences and, and what they could have meant to the, the authors and the, and the audience at the time. And, um, we'll stop screwing around with Christmas. We're going to leave it, leave it the way it is. <laughs> I think it's a pretty, it's, it has a pretty good track record. So thank you, uh, Helen for, for joining me on this Christmas special. And, um, yeah, any, anything else you want to add?
1: No, just to say thank you. And actually, yeah, I like the, I like the composite, um, nativity story, you know, the, Mm -hmm. the kind of things you get in. Primary school, where you get everything, and you get the third hedgehog from the left, and you get all the animals. <laughs> I think bring it all on because it's it's all got symbolism, and I think that's I I really like that. Um, as a scholar, I like to kind of pull the stuff apart, but you know, when it comes to to Christmas, and you've got your little child there, the the fourth mm. giraffe who can hardly be seen, <laughs> and all the little um. Wait, so you're
0: telling me in the UK we have giraffes and hedgehogs of
1: <laughs> we can have anything i honestly wow. we can have anything we can have monkeys we can have you know the whole <laughs> the whole zoo is there it depends how many kids you've got who need parts and you know you can you only have, have so many shepherds and angels but it <laughs> yeah it makes me cry every time so um oh. i'm i'm all for it
0: nice all right well merry christmas to our listeners and uh, we will see you next time on biblical time machines thank you
1: merry christmas